This is Financially Speaking with Sue and Cole, with your host Sue Bushka from Bushka Retirement Solutions and Cole Bruner from Bushka Wealth Management. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Sue and Cole provide their clients and prospects with the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here with the financial information you need are Sue and Cole. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Financially Speaking with Sue and Cole. My name is Cole Bruner from Bushka Wealth Management and joining me as usual is my mom, Sue Bushka from Bushka Retirement Solutions, as well as our co-host, Tony Shore. Now, listeners out there, if uh, you want to get some more information about what we're talking about today, as always, you can give us a call anytime at 715-355-4445 or you can visit the website retirewithbushka.com. That's retirewithbuska.com. And of course, make sure you check out the radio and TV show pages. We've got lots of uh, uh, recent episodes out there for you to take a peek at. You can, of course, also subscribe to our program on your favorite podcast uh, utility. And, uh, of course, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to us if you'd like to uh, discuss any questions that you might have or to schedule a complimentary no-obligation consultation, which, of course, you can do either in person in our WASA or Eau Claire office, or you can meet with one of our advisors virtually. Uh, So just give us a call. Again, that number is 715-355-4445 or retirewithbushka.com. And of course, on the website, you can schedule a consultation right there as well to make it extremely easy to get on our calendar with one of our advisors. Now, President uh, Joe Biden's recent signing of the Inflation Reduction Act has drawn significant coverage in both general and financial news sectors. And uh, while the bill's name is fairly straightforward, as with most pieces of large legislation, the details are anything but. Now, the Inflation Reduction Act includes cash incentives for for, uh, purchasing electric vehicles, tax breaks to accelerate the country's move to renewable energy sources, and a potential reduction in health care costs for many Americans by allowing Medicare to directly negotiate prices with drug manufacturers. But that is really just the tip of the legislative iceberg. So on today's show, we're going to peel back the inflation uh, reduction act uh, onion, so to speak, in in layers. And uh, we're going to go through the different ways that hopefully it provides a deeper understanding of what this massive piece of legislation could mean for you, your wallet and, of course, your financial strategy. But before we explore that subject any further, let's make sure to say hello to everyone here with me this morning. Sue and Tony. Tony, how are we doing today? I am doing great. Thanks for asking, Cole. It's good to be here with you guys, you and Sue. And I've had a pretty good week. Uh, Forgive my voice. I've got just a little bit of a cold right now, but hopefully that uh, (laughs) that will end soon. Still great to be here. And I'm interested in this one because I've heard a lot uh, from both sides of the aisle about this legislation. So this should be fun. Sue, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, we're supposed to have some nice weather this weekend. Uh, supposed to be 70 on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to that. We're going to get our garden all cleaned up and, you know, all the outside stuff. 
pretty much cleaned up and put away for winter. Yeah, because it's starting to get cold <laughs> I already. I hate to use that word. Yeah. It's getting down into yeah. the 30s at night. That, oh, that's, yeah. That's going to be tough. So, uh, Sue, I, I'm glad we're exploring this subject further and digging into it. Uh, how do you want to get us rolling today? Well, there was actually a Time article entitled What You Need to Know About the Inflation Reduction Act, and it has some excellent information for us. First, we should note that this certainly wasn't a piece of bipartisan legislation. The bill passed the Senate on a 51 to 50 vote on August 7th, with Vice President Kamala Harris casting the deciding vote. Now, it then squeaked through the House in a 220 to 207 vote on August 12th. President Biden then signed the legislation into law. Now, many of you will likely recall news stories several months ago regarding Biden's proposed Build Back Better better legislation, which was essentially a much larger proposal that included many of the elements from the Inflation Reduction Act. Now, after rounds of negotiations, it was clear Build Back Better wasn't going to make it through Congress, and thus the scaled-down Inflation Reduction Act was born. Sure, and from what I've heard and read, the legislation has a heavy focus on climate change. So, uh, Cole, what can you tell us about that? Well, Tony, I think it's fair to say that the, that uh, climate change is one of the bill's top priorities. Uh, it invests more than $360 billion in energy and climate change programs over the course of the next decade. And uh, that includes significant incentives for those looking to purchase electric vehicles. Now, in hand with that, it also supplies tax breaks uh, designed to increase the pace of the United States shift to renewable energy. Oh, wow. Okay, so... Um, Does the bill say how much those carbon emissions might be slashed? Well, those who support the bill claim it may reduce carbon emissions by almost 40 percent by the year 2030, which is about 10 percent less than Biden was hoping for in his Build Back Better legislation. However, goals and realities are two different things, so only time will tell us if that 40 percent number is accurate. Additionally, the legislation supplies $60 billion to cities that are expected to be disproportionately affected by climate change. Many more millions will be supplied to Native American communities for, quote, climate resiliency funding. Yeah, so, you know, that sounds good, but here's the million-dollar question, or I I guess in this situation, the billion-dollar question. How is all this going to get paid for, Cole? Well, the aim is for the bill's cost to be covered, at least in part, by a new 15% minimum tax rate that will apply to corporations with profits of $1 billion or more. Now, the bill would also require companies to pay 1% tax when they buy back their own stock, while also greatly enhancing the IRS's tax evasion enforcement. Okay, so uh, obviously the money for the IRS tax evasion has drawn some uh, criticism, probably some of the most vocal criticism of this bill is regarding that. Uh, Some people argue it could lead to armed IRS agents knocking on your door to conduct audits. But what's the reality here, Sue? Well, according to that Kiplinger article I had mentioned, uh, the legislation will funnel an additional $80 billion to the IRS during the next decade. 
However, to date, it's not clear how the money will be spent, though it's anticipated the IRS will use about $45 billion to improve its tax enforcement. Now, that may mean increasing staffing levels and bringing badly outdated processing systems up to date. In fact, uh, to that very point, $5 billion is specifically earmarked for technology. And finally, an additional uh, $25 billion of that $80 billion figure is slated for enhancing the IRS's overall operations. Okay, so maybe that won't lead to... Uh, everyone getting an audit, but uh, hopefully not. Hopefully not. E- even if you have nothing to hide, an audit uh, is a pain, and nobody wants to be audited. But hopefully, they're just going after the larger corporations and uh, the top one percent, so to speak. But now, the legislation is called the Inflation Reduction Act, and I always laugh at these titles of these bills because usually it has either nothing to do with what's in the bill, or it's completely ironic and it does the opposite. But it is attention-grabbing. I mean, we're currently in the midst of uh, inflation rates that we haven't seen in decades. So it seems like targeting inflation is the right move. But does this legislation actually do anything to reduce inflation? Well, according to the Congressional Budget Office, which is an independent agency that supplies nonpartisan budget and economic information to Congress... The bill's impact on inflation is liked, uh, likely to be, in its words, negligible. Now, at the same time, however, the Congressional Budget Office is predicting the legislation will reduce the federal deficit by as much as $102 billion during the next nine years. Wow. Okay. So it's not going to do anything to help with inflation, at least immediately. So the title is wrong, but it does actually reduce the deficit, which is the opposite of most bills. So If that ends up being true, that's a good thing. Uh, We should probably take a quick break here. Cole, do you have anything to add before the break? Well, I know a lot of our clients have had questions lately about how some of these uh, things going on right now will impact them in the short term and in the long term. And of course, anyone out there that is uncertain about how the current market volatility and inflation and all of these different things are going to impact their plan, uh, I certainly recommend that they give us a call and schedule a consultation with one of our advisors. Uh, And they can do that by calling 715-355-4445 or they can visit the website retirewithbushka.com and of course they can schedule their complimentary no obligation consultation right there on the website uh, right here and now all right stay tuned and we're going to be right back with more of financially speaking with sue and cole after this most people plan on taking their social security benefits at one of three ages 62 66 or 70 but did you know that there are over twenty thousand calculations that could be run to determine the best time for you to file? Call Bushka Retirement Solutions at 715-355-4445 or visit retirewithbushka.com to request your complimentary social security maximization report that will help you learn how you can get the most out of your benefit. And welcome back to Financially Speaking with Sue and Cole. I'm your co-host, Tony Shore. And of course, I'm here with our hosts, Sue Bushka and Cole Bruner. And today we've been talking about some of the most important elements of the recently passed and signed Inflation Reduction Act. And, you know, you touched on some of the major things, Sue and Cole, on what the legislation will fund, how it's being covered, and whether or not it will actually do much to reduce inflation. What do you have for us next? 
Well, at the top of the show, we noted that the bill now allows Medicare to negotiate drug prices directly with manufacturers. And I think we should spend more time on that very important subject. Uh, There was an ARP article, Landmark Bill to Cut Prescription Drug Prices Signed into Law, has the key details. Now, in addition to allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices for the first time, the legislation puts a $2,000 yearly cap on how much Part D prescription drug plan enrollees will have to pay out of pocket for medications and levies tax penalties on drug manufacturers that increase their prices beyond the rate of inflation. Now, Medicare-provided insulin is also capped at $35 a month and also ends out-of-pocket expenses for many vaccines under Medicare. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office thinks Medicare may save hundreds of billions of dollars over the next decade thanks to its ability to now negotiate the prices of some prescription drugs as well as potential tax rebates to encourage drug companies to keep prices at or below the inflation rate. Wow. Okay. So this is the part of the bill I really like. Uh, It's actually going to do something that I think a lot of people have been wanting, and it's kind of a no-brainer. I've heard a news report indicating that this act also is connected to last year's American Rescue Plan regarding (laughs) Medicare. Is that right? That is true, Tony. Uh, The newly signed legislation provides a three-year extension to the expanded subsidies and other financial enhancements that were first included in last year's American Rescue Plan uh, that were really designed to reduce the expenses of health insurance plans available in the Affordable Care Act marketplace. Now, according to the AARP article, those subsidies have been especially critical for people between the ages of 50 and 64 who sometimes pay up to three times more for health insurance. Now, let's take a closer look at what the Inflation Reduction Act means for Medicare Part D. Again, for the first time, out-of-pocket expenses for Medicare Part D prescriptions will be capped. For older Americans, that's a really, really big deal. Now, beginning in 2025, Part D enrollees won't have to pay more than $2,000 a year for their share of Part D prices. And beginning in January of 2023, most vaccines will now be free through Medicare, according to the article. Yeah, and you know, we've talked about this a lot on past shows, but Medicare Part D is such an important piece of of the financial strategy for so many Americans that uh, anything that makes it cost less or the cost more manageable, that's welcome news, isn't it? Oh, yes, I completely agree, Tony. And as for Part D, listeners should be aware that its premiums can't go up more than 6% a year through at least 2029. Additionally, the income ceiling for beneficiaries to qualify for a subsidy to cover Part D out-of-pocket expenses has risen from 135% of the federal poverty level to 150% of the federal poverty level. Now, that's an increase from $18,347 for an individual in 2022 to $20,385 for an individual. So if you make less than that amount, you're going to get some more help. And, you, you know, you've mentioned the fact that Medicare will now be able to negotiate those drug prices directly with manufacturers. And that's clearly a major policy shift and something I think was long overdue. But 
Tell us a little more about what that actually means. Well, to start, the legislation allows the Health and Human Services Secretary to start negotiating prices for 10 high-cost prescription drugs in 2023. And those negotiated prices will be put into place in 2026 for Part D and 2028 for medications covered by Medicare Part B. Now, from there, the number of drugs Medicare is allowed to directly negotiate will increase. By 2029, 60 drugs will be part of a negotiation process. Yeah, and with that one, I think a lot of people are probably wondering what happens if the drug manufacturers aren't willing to negotiate in good faith. Well, according to the terms of the law, if a drug manufacturer walks away from the negotiating table, the federal government could hit them with a tax of as much as 95% of their sales from the previous year. Now, clearly, that's a potential hammer devised to provide drug manufacturers with a clear incentive to continue negotiating until a mutually agreeable price is determined. Now, again, the nonpartisan um, Congressional Budget Office estimates the negotiating provision alone could save Medicare almost $102 billion during the next 10 years. Now, to me, that's a, just a stunning figure. So what about the suggestion, though, that allowing some drug prices to be negotiated may lead to less pharmaceutical innovation or testing? Well, uh, the CBO actually analyzed that very concern, and it found that of the 1,300 new medications expected to be approved during the next 30 years, a mere 15 wouldn't hit the market because of the new law. Oh, okay. So that puts it in perspective. That's not so bad. And I, right. I, I've seen articles uh, about this legislation and was intrigued by the inflation rebate they're offering. You had mentioned something about that. Well, it definitely jumped out to me as well, Tony. Beginning this October, if the price of a Part D prescription goes up more than the general inflation rate, the manufacturer must rebate to Medicare the total of the increase. Now, those rebates will begin in January 2023, and the article explains that drugs that increase in price above inflation are often infusions that occur in a medical facility. Sure. So they jack the prices up there. So uh, want to get rid of that. That's probably a good thing. Now, um, Cole, I know that open enrollment is coming up for Medicare, and I know that your office uh, helps folks out with Medicare, right? Oh, absolutely. We've got Doug Wendt, who is our health insurance and Medicare consultant in our WASA office. He's a great resource when it comes to helping people to look at all of the available plans, figure out what might make the most sense for them. If they're looking at early retirement, pre-age 65, how to cover that health insurance uh, component until you get to 65 when you can get on Medicare. So if you've got questions about health insurance or you if you want to take a look at your plan now that we're coming up to open enrollment season here, uh, just give the office a call at 715-355-4445. Uh, and of course, you can also schedule a consultation with Doug on our website uh, by simply going to retirewithbushka.com. Click on that yellow book now button and then select health insurance and Medicare. All right. That sounds good. We're going to keep rolling because this has been a great show talking about some information regarding the recently signed into law Inflation Reduction Act, the ironically named Inflation Reduction Act. It does a lot of good things, but reduce inflation apparently is one of them. 
<laughs> right, right, exactly. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, we're talking about what it may mean for especially older Americans when it comes to things like Medicare, the cost of prescription drugs. So, Sue, what do you have for us in our final segment today regarding this bill? Well, let's continue our conversation about the Inflation Reduction Act, but shift our focus to some of its potential tax implications. There was a Kiplinger article entitled The Inflation Reduction Act and Taxes, What You Should Know, and it nicely addresses this topic. Now, the article first touches on small businesses and middle class income taxes. First and foremost, the uh, the Inflation Reduction Act isn't expected to increase taxes on either small businesses or for families who make $400,000 or less. So, of course, whether that theory will be maintained moving forward will depend on what happens when the law um, impact begins to be felt. Well, and I'm sure that information is a relief for small business owners and families. But given what you just told us, remind us how the things in the legislation are actually going to be funded. That's that's always a curiosity. Uh, I think that's a good idea, Tony. Let's quickly recap some of the information we shared in the first segment. Now, the legislation dictates that some, some corporations will pay more tax than they currently are. So here's an example for you. A large business with more than $1 billion in income will now pay a minimum corporate tax rate of 15%. Now, currently, as Kiplinger explains, some extremely large corporations like Amazon and Nike pay very little in federal income taxes. And again, the legislation also includes a 1% excise tax on corporate stock buybacks. So they're closing a couple of loopholes and putting a mandatory tax rate uh, on large corporations uh, that uh, supposedly they can't get around with loopholes. We'll see how that works out. And Uh, We also talked at the beginning of the show, you just briefly mentioned clean energy elements that are in the legislation. Uh, What about that, Sue? Well, it does, Tony. The legislation includes a 10-year extension of the homeowner credit for solar projects like, like rooftop panels. Now, that credit may also potentially benefit those who purchase energy efficient water heaters, heat pumps, and HVAC systems. Now, the Inflation Reduction Act also creates a $1 billion incentive program for energy-efficient, affordable housing. Wow, okay. So, Cole, what's available to homeowners with this credit then? Well, with this one, homeowners can claim a 30% credit through 2032 for the purchase of qualifying systems that use solar, wind, geothermal, biomass, or fuel cell power to produce electricity, uh, heat water, or to regulate your home's temperature. Now, the credit falls to 26% in 2033 and then 22% in 2034, its final available year. That legislation also includes the Residential Clean Energy Credit. Now, this credit was originally called the Residential Energy Efficiency Property Credit and was scheduled to sunset in 2024. However, in addition to a new name, the credit now extends all the way through 2034. And beginning in 2023, the credit also applies to battery storage technology that has the capacity of at least three kilowatt hours. Okay. So in addition to nudging people toward green energy for their homes and businesses, the government's also providing some incentives for electric vehicles, right? What's the scoop on that, Sue? 
Well, if you're eyeing up a set of electric wheels, you'll you'll likely find much to like in this legislation. For starters, tax credits for buying a new or used electric vehicle that were already on the books have been extended an additional 10 years. Those credits apply to what are referred to simply as clean vehicles and now include hydrogen fuel cell cars. Yeah, and I'm not going to make you explain to the audience exactly what a (laughs) hydrogen fuel cell car is, Sue, because uh, I don't know that. But uh, I don't either. (laughs) But are are there any income limits for these credits? Uh, There are. Uh, The legislation's limit uh, is based on the MSRP of the vehicle. Basically, those limits prevent the purchase of high-priced luxury electric automobiles. Now, interestingly, the law also eliminates the 200,000 car limit for claiming the credit. Excuse me. Uh, This uh, means manufacturers like GM, Toyota, and Tesla are now eligible. Now, you should also note that beginning in 2024, you can take the clean vehicle tax credit as a discount at the time that you make the purchase. Essentially, you'd be transferring the credit to the dealer who would then reduce the vehicle's price by the value of the tax credit. Now, the upside for consumers is that they wouldn't have to wait until tax season to see the benefit of that tax incentive. Wow, that's pretty slick. I guess we have to wait yeah. until 2024 for that one, but that that sounds like a good thing. And obviously, you know, this legislation is huge. It's one of those big bills that it's thick and who who's read it all, right? It contains so <laughs> right. much detail. We'd probably need a six-hour show to get through all of it, but it seems to me that it, it makes it important, especially for our listeners out there, to reach out to their financial advisors like yourselves and, and get an opinion about what certain pieces of the bill uh, may mean to them and look at their financial strategies moving forward. Well, I definitely agree with you on that one, Tony, because certainly some of the bills focus on both Medicare and prescription drugs. It's going to have an impact on retirees and those folks who are getting close to retirement. And it's possible some of the changes may be significant enough that you and your financial services professional may want to make some adjustments to your broader financial strategy. Now, you should also bear in mind that while some of the bill's details may not affect your personal tax bill, it's possible that some of the extended tax credits we addressed will save you a few bucks when it's time to do your taxes. Yeah, and we'd all love that, right? We all want to save money on our taxes and minimize that tax burden. But we're out of time for today's show. Cole, give that uh, information one more time before we go. Absolutely. For anybody that wants to schedule a complimentary, no obligation consultation with one of our advisors or with Doug, our resident health insurance and uh, Medicare consultant, you can give us a call at 715-355-4445 or you can visit retirewithbushka.com. All right. Sounds great. And that does it for today's episode of Financially Speaking with Sue and Cole. Thank you for listening to Financially Speaking with Sue and Cole. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Sue and Cole at Bushka Retirement Solutions and Bushka Wealth Management. Call 715-355-4445 or visit them online at retirewithbushka.com. 
All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Bushka Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Wisconsin. Insurance products and services are offered through Bushka Retirement Solutions, Inc. Bushka Wealth Management, LLC and Bushka Retirement Solutions, Inc. are affiliated companies. Sue Bushka, Cole Bruner, Bushka Retirement Solutions, LLC and Bushka Wealth Management, LLC are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.